This is just the usual reminder that this show may contain some adult language and humour and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own. Hello, I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the creator of the sci-fi wrestling comic The Galaxy Grappling Alliance. And welcome to Oh Mentor That, the chip-free sporadic podcast series where I'll be talking to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. In today's show, I'm joined by Rich Carrington, the founder of Hardline Comics, famous for titles such as The Guys and the critically acclaimed Mahoney's. Amongst other things, we'll be discussing what it's like to actually publish your own comics, and as you can expect with Rich, we have a few laughs along the way. So grab yourself a stool at the Mahoney's Bar, order yourself a nice long drink and settle back as we look at the art of self-publishing with Hardline Comics. So on today's show, I'm pleased to be joined by another returning guest, a writer, comic creator, founder and driving force behind the indie publishing imprint Hardline Comics, which has titles including The Guys, Mr. Bad, The Claws, and its flagship title, The Brilliant Mahoney's, a supervillain bar, where, as the tagline states, world domination and craft beers are always on the menu. So without further ado, it's a big welcome back to Rich Carrington. Hello, hello. Good to be back. It's good to have you back, mate. Are you keeping well? I am. I am. I'm not doing too bad, really. It's it's obviously the world's gone to shit since I was last on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're doing all right. I'm uh, I'm I'm holding you responsible for that, mate, because everything was fine before you came on, and then went tits up. Well, yeah, there's that there's that school of thought, isn't it, that since Bowie died, that um, you know the world's steadily gone downhill, but maybe it's just me appearing on your show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mind you, saying that there's quite a few people we could blame that have been on this show to be fair i'm wondering whether it's me because i'm the common denominator you know what i mean no you, you, you you're the glue that keeps it together man yeah dead horse glue you know in my book <laughs> <laughs> oh god so i've seen you're uh you know you're still keeping busy yeah i to be honest uh, there's that sort of i know a lot of people are saying they're feeling guilty aren't they like they should be more productive during lockdown and i don't know i, I I've been I've been fits and starts of productivity. I mean, I'm I'm lucky. I'm still working. I, you know, I'm busy. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I'd like to think I've used the time well. You know, I've written a few things during lockdown. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a sort of chance to take a bit of stock on it and to reflect on things. I guess not to get too deep about it. But um, yeah, I've been keeping busy. It's funny because, like I said, you know, a few people I've talked to, they, they fall into two camps. They've either found that having time to sit and think has made them more creative or having time to sit and think has just completely blocked them up. Yeah. And I think to start with, um, I was certainly in the camp of, come on, you've got, you've got a bit of time now. You're never going to get this time again. Be productive. But then when I wasn't being productive, I, I'd stop beating myself up and thought, Do you know what, there's enough going on, you know, homeschooling the kids my wife was she, she's a midwife so she was working you know frontline work and all that and I just thought I'm not going to beat myself up you, you, you do it when you do it when you get time anyway yeah 
Yeah, it's a bit like creating generally, though, isn't it? Really, for us, you know, you you kind of just do it when you can do it. Yeah, and I, if, if I go too long without writing, I do I do really get sort of itchy, and you know, I do need the release of writing, but I don't write daily. I know they say you should, um, but you know, I have got a busy life. I've got a, I've got a sort of demanding job, and I, I work at night when I get in from work. Um, so I don't I don't beat myself up if I go a week perhaps without writing anything. It just you know it is what it is, isn't it? Sometimes I think it's quite handy that we've got this kind of side to us where we create. You know, we have something that occupies our minds when we're not working. Because I couldn't imagine being in lockdown and being one of those people that has like no hobbies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I could, I could never just sit and churn through two box sets a day. Do you know what I mean? I, I, it is nice to have that that vent. I, I would, I'd go bananas if I didn't do comics. I really would. Yeah, but like you say, you gotta, you gotta just balance out what you can actually do against what you'd like to do, don't you? Otherwise, yeah, you, know, you you just beat yourself up all the time. So, um, thanks for coming on again. I, I think it was a while since we had you on on the the art of writing. Yeah, it was me and uh, Mark McGann. I had a great time on that show. Yeah, it was good fun. So today we're looking at um, the art of self-publishing, which is obviously something that I'm interested to talk to yourself about, given that you founded Hardline Comics and you know, you, you've had quite a prolific output, really. I mean, we'll come to that a little bit later on, but you, you've certainly been a consistent deliverer within the, the small press world. Yeah, I like to think so. I'm not, I don't think I've got the fan base to back up how hard I work. But, um, yeah, I, I think I've only been doing it a few years as well, about five or six years. Um, but, yeah, Mahoney's, the, the, the latest issue of Mahoney's is the 11th comic from Hardline. Um, wow. And I also churned out a novel in that time as well. So, yeah, I don't know about prolific, but certainly um, consistent, constant, shall we say. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a hell of an achievement, mate. I know you did that. I think it was a tweet you put on back end of last year where you had everything laid out that you'd made, and it's pretty impressive, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, thanks, man. It's it's um, labour of love, isn't it? Well, it has to be done. It do not make any bloody money. <laughs> no, Christ, no, fucking telling me. So before we begin, then, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your kind of comics history and, and why you wanted to make comics, what your influences were, stuff like that? Um, Yeah, I mean... It, it's day one for me. I know a lot of people got into comics in their teens or, or, you know, university days, but literally five years old. Like, I, I, I was reading comics before I could properly read. And I think I mentioned last time I was on, you know, I was in a shoe shop crying my eyes out. My dad just brought me a comic. And honestly, I can vividly, vividly remember the, the moments I just, I just opened that comic. And, you know, I know I'm only five years old but everything changed it was just the colors the sort of the artwork just everything about it it was just so we're in 1982 now and i don't know man just comics it, it's just there's nothing comes close to it for me I'm a, i love films i'm a massive film fan i teach media studies you know i'm all about films but honestly comics is just streets ahead always has been yeah because you know i don't know i mean I like stories and I like artwork and, you know, comics combines the best of film, doesn't it? And, you know, the best of books and artwork and it just, oh, it's just fucking magic, isn't it? Well, I, you know, I know you know what I'm on about because, you, you know, you're obviously passionate about it as well. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great level of comics, I think, because you don't need a budget to create whatever you want. That's that's the beauty of it, isn't it? I mean, if you, if we said, right, let's write a film, Rich, and make a film, we'd be fucked because it'd be like, we've only got £3.50 to spend on it. Yeah. but I wouldn't even get the titles made. <laughs> yeah, but it's like if we said, let's make a comic, there's no end to what you can do. I mean, obviously getting it printed and distributed is a different thing, but creating it, and that was the thing as a kid I always loved, was that, yeah. you know, when I realised, actually, you can write any story you want. Yeah, you know. a million percent. And, and you, you know, I think maybe sometimes comics get a bad rap because, you know, like with a novel, you, you're doing a bit of heavy lifting, you, you're, you're imagining it in your, in your head and all the rest of it. And with comics, it's all laid out on the page and it's, it's maybe a bit sort of, I don't know if people just look at kids' picture books and, and make that sort of stupid connection with comics, but I don't know, yeah. man. It's just, it's, it's, I think it's pure magic. Even a bad comic is, is magic, you know, but when you get a good one, Jesus Christ. I, don't, <laughs> I honestly don't think there's a film or a TV show in the world that can touch a, a proper, solid comic. Oh, God, don't get me started. Kind of off track a little bit, but if you had to pick a comic that you could only have one during lockdown to read, what, what, do you know what it would be? What, a, a single issue or like a run? It's up to you. That's a tricky one, man. That's, that's, you, you, you're saying what's your favourite comic there, aren't you? Um, it would have to be an omnibus because you're getting your, your mm. value for money there. I think um, as a kid, Secret Wars, the original Jim Shooter Secret Wars, just absolutely blew my little mind away. I think more recently, the Punisher Max, the Garth Ennis Punisher Max. Fucking hell. Don't mm. there some... I mean... There's comics and there's comics in there. Yeah. Preachers up there. I don't know. Man. Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool does it for me. I'll tell you what I'm reading at the minute because I, I tried to get the omnibus of the Peter David run on Hulk and I, I can't get it anywhere. The, the second one with the Dale Keown art, I, I tried. I missed the boat on Amazon like a twat. And I tried to get it through WH Smith, all sorts of places. And I don't know what's happened, but you can't get it anywhere. Mm. So anyway, I, I went into my back issue boxes. I've started reading that one again. And I've, I've gone through the, the, the Dale Keown stuff, and now I'm onto the Gary Frank stuff. Fucking hell, what a run of comics. What a run. And I think I might be talking out of turn here, but I'm not sure if Peter David's a bit of a, bit of a knobhead. You know, I, I can't quantify that, but I, I don't know. But <laughs> that run on the Hulk... Jesus Christ, the art, the story, oh, it's just phenomenal. Um, but if I've got to pick one, I don't know, just for nostalgic purposes, I'll probably go to Secret Wars. Wow. How about yourself? Oh, I mean, a bit like yourself, I've been going on a bit of a nostalgia trip during lockdown. I've been buying lots of kind of um, issue fillers, you know, where I've been missing things. So yeah. It's like I never did find out what happened with, the Justice League and, you know, the Starfish and, and all that kind of stuff. So I've been plugging gaps and H is like, it's another comic for you. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? But I've been really enjoying going back over old um, Uncanny X-Men stuff and Batman stuff. You know, I've been plugging a lot of gaps there. What era of Uncanny? But, uh, era was between, I started re- rereading between 200 and 300. Right. John Romita's that? Paul Smith? 
He would be, yes. And I'm going back now into the 100s because oh, um, I've got quite a few 100s up to 200. So I'm just kind of flitting around a little bit. Yeah. It's quite an easy thing to dip in and out of. But it didn't matter with Claremont anyway because there was always, there were so many through lines, weren't there? Little subplots mm. and interconnecting stuff. It was just, I mean, it was glorious, wasn't it? Yeah. And then um, I'm just about to restart because I rebagged the the entire run of Preacher the other week nice. that I've got. And I'm just going to start going back through the uh, the deluxe editions, rereading that. So I think Preacher would be mine, you know. Yeah. Because it's got everything. Preacher's, Preacher's phenomenal. It's just mm. Dylan. Oh, Christ. I'd, oh, I'd, I'd read anything that he drew. Um, but yeah, you put them two together. That's that's proper magic, isn't it? Yeah. Ennis and Dylan together on anything. That's that's comic book magic, that is. Ennis, Dylan and Fabry on the cover. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, what, what else What more do you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's brilliant. I bought the the three. I, I have the first one anyway, but you know the big compendium editions. I bought the I bought the um, the Invincible. I've read it a couple of times, but fucking hell, you forget you forget just how good a series that is. I've never read it. Have you not? No, oh, mate. I'm not going to send them. Tempted. Too fucking heavy, but honestly, get on it. It was on. Um, I think it was on a humble bundle. You know, one of those deals not long back. Yeah, and. And I nearly bought it, but I'm I'm not massive on reading digital comics. No, you know, yeah. I'll only buy them if I can't afford the postage from America. Yeah, but, that's, uh, that's where those omnibus and those compendiums. There's like there's fifty odd issues in the compendiums, and they're only going for like thirty five, forty quid. Mm. But yeah, honestly, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend Invincible big time. Yeah, I've had a lot of people talk about. It. I know the ACP guys always rave about it. So it's, it's uh, pretty flawless. Will, the cartoons coming out soon. Honestly, it's just which is why I'm I'm tempted to get them now before it they go through the roof. You can say, oh, I like the comics before the cartoon. Well, I'll never be able to afford them after the cartoon comes out, will I? Even the even the omnibus and stuff would be like you know two hundred guineas. Oh, there's so many moments. There's so many good moments. Yeah, put it to the top of your top of your to do pile. Yeah, I will do. I will do. So just going back to to. Your, yourself then and obviously um the purpose of this podcast which is to talk about self-publishing so as we've touched on you know hardline comics has been around for do you say five six years now uh started when my daughter was born so yes yeah, about six seven years right and where did it come from i mean was it just your desire to create or you know what, what's the kind of history behind it um well i'll tell you i haven't really thought of this but i used to work with a couple of blokes and we set up a thing we used to call <laughs> we used to call it on we anonymous because we were all hitting our sort of mid thirties and getting a bit sort of um, you know that midlife crisis era and we we said well, well let's support each other in doing something and one of them wanted to do I don't know what he wanted to do now it was like um, he wanted to make a kids party company and hire out fucking bouncy castles oh. or something <laughs> the other one wanted to draw. And I said, I've always wanted to do comics. So we, we, we used to meet monthly as a, a sort of, you know, piss take thing. We, we'd formalize a meeting, say, well, what have you done since last time? This is your targets for next time. And the other two never bothered, really. And I just sort of thought, you know what? I've always wanted to do it, and I'm going to do it. And I stuck with it. And the first six issues of the guys, I drew myself. And I can't, I'm not a brilliant artist, not by any stretch. I'm, I'm, I'm passable. But I, I think if you ever read those first six issues of the guys, I think, I, I, personally, I know it's me saying, but I think they're really, really well written. I think they're genuinely funny. But the artwork's dog shit. 
So there's it's not that bad. Well, it's no, but compared to somebody like well, somebody like you or somebody like Brian, proper artists, it's that you know they're never going to sort of stand up against a lot of the, the the better indie comics. You know what I mean? Um, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, no, it's not, it's true. I mean, if you look at them, mate, I've, I'm not just saying this, but I don't think they're half as bad as you you make out. They, they're pretty reasonable to me. I mean. I've seen worse. I see a lot yeah. worse that gets lauded. Oh, mate, <laughs> I, I see you take a wander around the, the floor of the con. But um, I, I think that I think there's genuine progression, definitely. You know, issue six w- was 20 times as good as issue one was on the art. But I just, I don't know, I just really loved it. And I, I, I was putting them out and I was hitting the convention circuit and hitting Kickstarter and all the rest of it. And I got to a point where I thought, okay, I, I've hit... I've hit a point and I would look around at like a lot of the, the small press people and think my comic doesn't hold up to a lot of theirs and it's because of the art. So I've made the decision to just think, do you know what? I'm a writer, not an artist. So I sort of down tools on the art and just said never again. Um, you gotta you gotta know you you gotta know your own limits, haven't you? And I put a pin in the guys and I sort of you know, just went looking for looking for artists then, and I think since then the books have, you know, the quality's improved because I'm better behind the camera, if you know what I mean, rather than in front of it. Yeah, you've talked about how you struck up your partnership with Brian as well. Yeah, yeah, he um, he, there's that there's a group on Facebook just connecting writers and artists, and you see all sorts of stuff on there, and I just sort of, as I say. Just realised I wasn't I wasn't going to draw anymore because I wanted the quality of the books to to you know improve massively. So just put a call out and um, you know once you once you say it's paid work instead of you know people trying to get you to work for free or back end or whatever. Mm. Once you say it's paid work, there was a load of there was, there was a, a ton of sort of applicants and you know they send in their portfolio and stuff. Yeah, and I think. The key, I mean, it's about relationships, isn't it? It's about, you know, you've got to work with somebody. And it, it, I've had experiences in the past where it's been proper work for hire. The pages come in, you, you pay the guy, and, and you know, it's, it is what it is. It's fine. But for me, I want to feel like somebody's, you know, at least invested in the work. It's all right if you, if you just want to get paid and do your pages, as long as you do a good job. But for me personally, I, I, I want a relationship. Do you know what I mean? I want, yeah. to, I want to feel like I'm... I'm in it with somebody rather than this is my book and you're just a sort of a paid hand almost so i put the call out and i i, I picked somebody um and he did he did the first page and then brian sent me stuff a little bit after the call the, the call had gone out and i got in touch with this guy he was, he was a bit funny anyway there was there was like language you know language issues and he, he was mm. a little bit passive aggressive so i paid him for the page he'd done and I just said to Brian, mate, I love your stuff. It, it was totally not what I wanted for Mahoney's because originally Mahoney's was going to be a little bit darker because right. the guys had been so sort of cartoony and so funny. So the Mahoney's were meant to be a bit darker, but as soon as I saw Brian's art, oh Jesus, it, it's like it's like an animation cell. It's 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 beautiful. It's bright and it's vivid, and I just loved them. Thought mm. if I could draw, I would want to draw exactly like that. So you know. Turns out, luckily, he's just an awesome guy. He's just a, he's just a, he's he's a proper mate now. We've been working together for a few years. We're in touch a lot of the time. I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like I struck gold with Brian. To be honest, you know, on, on a on a 
sort of professional level with the comics and on a personal level just because he's such a good guy but um yeah it was literally just putting the casting call out yeah and i think i think as well as in terms of self-publishing you sort of you get what you pay for don't you and if you're if you're going to say to somebody oh mm. i'll only give you like fucking ten dollars a page or or you know i want you to work for free or exposure you know the bloody dreaded exposure i think you've got to um you've got to sort of invest in yourself a little bit and if you, if you believe in your story and if you believe in your script and your book then you know go out there and find the money from somewhere i don't know just just sort of invest in yourself yeah. i mean it's probably easier now more than ever to publish yeah. your own stuff you know because you've got with digital printing and everything i mean it's just so much more accessible isn't it and cheaper i would imagine than years yeah. ago but you're right you you have got it it is a leap of faith I and mean, we'll come on to this a bit later on when we we talk about advice for people thinking of doing it but it's nerve-wracking oh, God, it? yeah. you know when you put your stuff out there but on the flip side there's no better feeling is there when you open that box and you see something that you've created physically see something I, 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 honestly I know it sounds really enough but I get so excited when one of our books comes yeah. back you know? yeah. I mean what I, I like as well working with artists I, I get it I get that feeling every time a page comes in of course you know and I, I, I hear my phone go and you just see, see a, a new page come in and honestly God that feeling of it going from your head from to a script to, to looking 20 times as good as what you had in your head. Oh, that's that's a feeling, you know, just that. Just, just look at, I look at my phone, I'm just stunned looking at my phone for about a minute when these pages come in. And, oh, I just love it. There's no better feeling in the world for me. I, you know, I know what you're saying about the book. It, it's amazing when you sit back mm-hmm. and you're like, Jesus Christ, look at all this stuff I've done. But these fresh pages, that feeling I get from that, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. See, I don't get that because I'm sitting yeah, looking yeah. at them. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, fucking hell. Yeah. Page three again. <laughs> you know, because I get, I obsess about panels. I get, there'll be one panel I won't like and I can't let it go. I'm like, no, got to keep going back and keep going back. Well, you, you've got no, because you're writing for yourself, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And, and to be fair, writing's not my strong point. You know, I'll admit that. And I've got a lot of work to do now. I'm trying to teach myself to write better at the moment. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I'm an artist more than a writer. It's just the way it goes, but you know, the stuff's passable. But I'm working on a couple of scripts for other people at the moment. So that's interesting. Well, you're, you're writing scripts now. No, no, that I'm I'm drawing for a couple oh, of um, scripts I've had in. Yeah, which is quite nice actually, because I don't have to worry too much about plot development and stuff because it's already yeah. there, isn't it? But um, it's nice just to concentrate on the art, and I'm actually finding that I I think the art's probably improving a little bit because i'm not worrying too much about the other elements i don't know if you found that with your writing you know when you say you you hung your pencils up did you find that your writing became stronger as a consequence no i just stopped writing crowd scenes well not not stop i should say started writing them because I, I wouldn't write myself on to draw oh. so i'll start writing horses in and cars and all sorts of shit it's their problem isn't it oh it's terrible it's like you know i, I thought a sci-fi wrestling comic that'd be great and then you realise you've got to draw crowds in it. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at least with aliens, you can't go wrong, can you? Panel to panel. It's like, you know. Yeah. There's a thing that always gets me with artists. I don't know how they do it. Peter Parker always looks like Peter Parker. And he's just a guy mm. with brown hair. So how do so many artists... And you can look you, you look at him straight away. Oh, there's Peter Parker. And you just think there's no sort of scars or, or you know, 
costume. It's just a, a, a guy with brown hair, but it always looks like Peter Parker. It's incredible, isn't it? Maybe because I'm reading the Spider-Man comic, I don't know. It's good design. That's the thing, though. So working from other other people's scripts, then, what, what do you prefer? Do you prefer super detailed panel uh, descriptions or not? Um, I'm trying to think of the style of the ones I've got. They've both been very similar in so much as one guy kind of gave me a script that was kind of quite descriptive, but not, not Alan Moore type descriptive. Um, I thumbnailed that and I changed a couple of the panels that they had, that they had ideas for and they were, they were cool with it to be fair. So that's, that's yeah. what I want at the moment. The next project I'm looking at is again, a guy had sent me the script, but he'd also sent me, he'd done his own kind of version of what he thought the, the layouts would look like for the pages. Right. So he's so giving you thumbnails of it. Uh, he kind of, well, I thought I was expecting thumbnails, but he'd actually just written what, what he thought was happening, but uh-huh. it kind of works though. That's the thing. It does work. And, and I can see, and there's a, again, with an artistic eye, I'm kind of looking at it thinking might, you know, I don't think that's going to work, but, but we'll get to that when I get to drawing it. I'm not on it yet, but yeah, I'm sure it'll be um, like yourself. You know, there's that relationship between the writer and the artist. So, you know, hopefully they'll listen if I need to change things. Yeah, I've had nothing, like, super detailed. I I'm, I think you've always got to listen to your artist, 100%. Because I'm, I'm working with another guy called Lee Gaston at the minute, and his, mm. his artwork's outstanding as well. I'll show you some of his pages. Yeah, it's lovely stuff. It's, again, it's, like, it's similar to Brian. It's very sort of vivid and um, sort of animated feel to it, rather than, you know, hyper cross-hatched and, you know, block shadows and all that. But I think I, I often worry that my scripts are quite um, loose with the panel descriptions because I, I prefer to focus on the dialogue anyway, which is why I do comics rather than mm. novels. But um, it, it, it always surprises me that I, it's either me doing something right, I know that sounds arrogant, or, or you know, the artist sort of being in sync with me. But even like really loose panel descriptions they always seem to come through there or thereabouts where where i pictured it in my head and i think yeah i teach media studies and a lot of that you're looking at camera shots and stuff like low angles and mid shots and all the rest of it so i think by teaching that i've become a little bit sort of fluid in the in the the language of cinema i mean that sounds massively wanky and i instantly regret saying it but like (laughs) um just camera shots, do you know what I mean? And not just saying this is what happens in the scene and leaving it up to the artist to think, well, how, where am I putting the camera? How am I framing that shot? Yeah. Just sort of saying this is an over-the-shoulder mid-shot, for example. And I think that's about as much direction as I want to give an artist. I'd, I'd much rather, you know, if they can think of a better angle, you know, a, a better thing to point the camera at, then, you know, go for it. But um, I, do, I do worry sometimes that mm. the panel descriptions are a bit too loose, but... Luckily, so far, it hasn't. It hasn't. I haven't had any pages back and looked and thought, well, that's not what I wrote at all. Or, or, or if it is, it's it's better. You know, the, the art is better than what I've, I've written. Yeah, I think I think you're probably worrying too much because I know um, the the scripts I'm working from are very similar to that actually. Where you know they may have sort of some guidance in there, but they're not telling me exactly what and how and where everything needs to be. No. I don't think I could word like that either. You know, I think I'd struggle to realize something visually if 
it was too constrained by somebody else's view. Yeah, and um, if, it, if it's so prescriptive that you, you as an artist, haven't got a bit of freedom to, you know, bring a bit of yourself into it, you, you do just become a, a sort of, I don't know, just just a sort of machine who's just regurgitating the artist, the, the, the writer's vision or something. Yeah, I agree. So a little bit more about Hardline Comics. And so do you have a main theme for the, the kind of content of your books? Is it is it kind of superhero-based? Is it, you know... Uh, humor what what would you describe it as if you were pitching it um it's definitely humor based because the six issue of the guys are a, a straight up superhero comedy and then mahoney's is it's a sitcom basically it's got a it's got a big cast and it is funny but it, it's it's sort of it's got those elements of good drama and good interconnecting characters that any good sitcom's got it's not just jokes um but I think I, I think I've, well I've realised I'm sort of leaning towards supervillains, and I yeah. think that's that's always been my thing since I was a kid. I, I always I used to collect He-Man figures, you know, and I'd, I'd I'd always collect the bad guys more than I'd collect the heroes because I just found them more more interesting. Yeah. Um, and even when I was I, I can remember making you know you make stories up with your, your your toys, don't you? And Skeletor would always beat fuck out of He-Man, and you know. <laughs> I just I always preferred Superman. So I, I think with Mahoney's, I did an issue. I did a, a comic called The Claws as well, and that mm. was that was supervillain focused. That that you kill the hero off on page seven of The Claws. So it's all about what happens when you know the hero. I mean, in comics, the hero never dies, does he? So kill him off mm. on page seven, and it it looks at what happens after the hero dies and the the villains actually take over and. I think writing that, I thought, you know what? I'd, I'd much rather write these bad guys because they're, you know, you ask an actor what kind of role would you rather play, and they'll always go for like a, a sort of uh, Hans Gruber. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And even the guys, even though they're 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 strictly superheroes, they don't buy into superheroes. It's, you know, I think it's a very British thing, isn't it, to not really buy into superheroes and sort of subvert it a little bit and take the piss and. I think with Mahoney's, there's there's a couple of superheroes in Mahoney's who are very thinly veiled pastiches of um, Superman and Batman. But it, it's it's interesting to see this. I, I like the supervillains take the piss out of those two and sort of undercut yeah. them a little bit. And you know, and then I've just written another script which is set in a, a prison for supervillains. And I was writing that, and I thought, Jesus Christ, man, all my stuff's about bad guys. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to make that my uh, my thing. So I think I think you know I I don't I don't go out of the superhero genre, but it's just supervillains rather than superheroes. I think I I I don't think I've got a horror comic in me or a you know a, a western comic or anything. I I do like superhero comics. That's what I read. Um, but I just like playing in that world. But just you know the darker side of that world. I think. Yeah, I think, and I think that's why it stands out as well. Mahoney's um, particularly because it it does look at that that counter view of you know a superhero yeah. world, and I mean I remember when I first heard the the sort of concepts of Mahoney's, which you know obviously it's a bar where all the supervillains get together and stuff, and I just thought this is brilliant. I just even before I'd read it, I thought I just loved the concept it's, of that. It makes it makes for a very easy uh, elevator pitch. I know that you know it's it's sort of cheers, but with bad guys in it, and I yeah. think. Yeah, and like you, um, I, I've always liked 
you know the kind of the bad side of of things so like you know i love old school wrestling and and i always love the old heels you know the 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 people that people would hate and boo but they were actually better at what they did you know they carried it off better they had that that whole persona about them that a lot of the good guys as it were don't have you know the very cardboard cutout and it's the same when you read comics and watch films isn't it you know a lot of the great characters are incredibly flawed yeah. and not particularly nice yeah. but that's what makes him interesting of course of course and you know i think that's why batman's so successful over at dc because i, I mm. think a lot of the dc characters are boring as fuck if i'm honest and there's no edge to them there's no sort of um you know you wouldn't want to hang around with them i don't think and you've obviously got your parallels, and they think you, you put Aquaman next to Namor, and Namor's a dick, but he's more he's yeah. more interesting. And Hawkeye, I think, is a better character than Green Arrow, just because he, he's a bit of a dick as well. And you, you just you just find yourself these flawed, as you say, these these sort of edgy, flawed characters. So the bad guys are just way more interesting than the villains. Uh, yeah. Than the, than yeah. The hero, and the, sorry. And I suppose that's why. Um, I mean, I always loved Hitman. You know. Ennis and McRae and Hitman. I always thought that was a fantastic. Oh yeah, I thought, I thought you meant Bret Hart then. I thought you were going back to your <laughs> because uh, you know the, the character of Hitman took the piss out of the superheroes. Yeah, and, you know, just didn't subscribe to it. I mean, I know it got a little bit um, sort of watered down a, a bit later on, but that actual run of Hitman stories that Ennis and McRae did are just fantastic. Yeah. Stand up even now, you but know. Just just that one scene where. Um, Green Lantern's in the bar, isn't he? And Tommy just says, are you telling me I've just bought you a drink and you're not going to get me one back? And you just think, <laughs> that just undercuts the Green Lantern just in one sort of, just makes him look fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, it is brilliant. It is brilliant. Well, I love that, I love that. But it's interesting that that wasn't a conscious decision by you to actually concentrate on the supervillain side. Yeah, I don't know. It just, I, I just veer that way. I think just naturally, I, you know, I'd rather write. I can't imagine writing a, a like a Superman book. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know Superman at all. I, I don't read many Superman. Well, I haven't read any really. But you know, a, a straight laced superhero, I think I'd find really difficult to be honest. I, I'd, I'd, I'd want to know because if you're writing somebody, ideally, you'd want to hang out with them. And I think, well, I hope anyway with Mahoney's that you'd actually want to go for a drink there. You'd actually want to hang out with some of the people mm. at Mahoney's. And I just think, why would you ever want to hang out in even Avengers Mansion? Just having a fucking cup of tea brought to you by Jarvis and Captain America just sitting down doing a crossroads. <laughs> you think, nah, let's get, let's get down to Noonan's. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant stuff. So we've talked a little bit about Mahoney's then. So obviously... I think, and you may disagree, but I think it's the, your kind of flagship title for Hardline. I mean, it's a great series, um, and every issue seems to just... I'm not just saying it, you know, but every issue gets better, both in terms, I think, of characters and, and art as well. You know, Brian seems to go up a level every time. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so do you, do you want to just tell us a little bit about the origin of Mahoney's, where it came from and, and stuff like that? Um... Yeah, well, I, d- I don't know. I mean, the, the, the sort of, um, the idea, the basic idea was sitting down and thinking, if you, if you, they say write what you know, and I'm not saying I'm a pisser, but, you know, you, 
you spend your life in pubs, don't you? And that idea of um, if you if you're going to write something, write a world that you would actually want to be in, that you'd actually want to be a part of. And I think for me, Mahoney's is that because you know, as I say, I, I'd I'd go for a drink there. I'd want to hang out with those characters more so than I would in you know pick pick a comic and think, would you actually want to spend the day hanging out with Peter Parker? I love Spider Man, but you know, I don't mm. I don't want to go on the piss with Peter Parker or um, <laughs> you know pick a character. They're all they're all pretty in the real world. They might make good superheroes, but in the real world, you wouldn't want to go near them. Mm. Um, so I think Mahoney's for me span out of wanting to see characters that I would I would genuinely like spending time with because as the writer you, you've got to spend time with them you, you, you're putting words in their mouth you, you're crafting that world so yeah I just wanted and I, I did that with the guys I thought um I'll tell you it was I'm not name dropping now but Kieran Gillen read the guys years right. ago and um he gave me some feedback and he, he sort of said they're a little bit too acerbic with each other and you know what blokes are like you take the piss don't you and you, you know you're being horrible mm. to each other you, you best mates you, you, you're horrible to um but that really made me stop and think with the guys and thought you know what would I, would anybody actually want to hang out with these characters and at the time the answer was probably no so i, I tweaked it and made them you know closer a, a closer knit bunch of bunch of mates and i think that that piece of advice from Kieran Gillen's always sort of stayed with me and, and, and thought like if you're going to invest 10 minutes 22 pages you know the time it takes you to read a book you want to like these mm. characters don't you You want to sort of spend time with them so for me I thought if I'm going to write a book an ongoing book it's going to have to be about people that I like um, and I've always found the villains more interesting so you know my homies was born and where did the bar idea come from? Was that just just thought that was a, an interesting setting? You know, an ex supervillain runs a bar. Yeah, I mean, it was originally it was originally thinking about um, henchmen and um, you know secret layers and and you know people like bad guys hanging out in secret layers. And I thought, well, why would they all be in each other's secret layers? They wouldn't, but they would all go to like a, a, a sort of pub. So it just sort of made sense. It just it just clicked. Um, the key thing is with Mahoney's, I think, is that the bar is um, it's like a central point, but it's not the whole book. Yeah. And you, you know, as I say, the most obvious comparison is is the the old sitcom Cheers, um, and ninety five percent, if not more, of all episodes of Cheers were just set in the bar. Um, which is fine, but Mahoney's to say the, the, the bar Mahoney's not the comic. Uh, the bar is like a central point for these people, so you, you do see them out and about doing different things, but they always eventually gravitate back towards towards that bar. Again, it's such a not a simple concept, but such an obvious idea that you think it's brilliant in its in its conceit. Really, it's really good, mate. Really good. It just—it does make sense, though, doesn't it? Because it does. Bad would want to drink, wouldn't they? So, yeah, and you wouldn't want to keep going to, like you say, you, you wouldn't go. Oh, we, we're going over to like you know Captain X's cave tonight. It's like, oh, fucking hell, you know what I mean? <laughs> you, yeah. you wouldn't want to do it, would you? Oh, it's brilliant. But I know, I know they're, I know they're bad guys, but like they're not—they're not assholes. 
and you wouldn't you wouldn't watch your back in Mahoney's. You wouldn't be scared in there. You, you know, these are just half of them. Are, you know, people like Blood Knights is a bit of a is a bit of an idiot, really. They're not sort of you know you haven't got Doctor Doom sitting in the corner and you know Kang playing darts against Magneto. Do you know what I mean? They, they, these are sort of your sort yeah. of D-listers, aren't they? Really <laughs> brilliant. And some great characters in there as well. Um, you know, I mean, not just, just. I don't want to give too much away because obviously we want people to to read this. But I was like Snowstorm. He's like that mate who always just just gets it a bit wrong. Like, for fuck's sake, yeah. What <laughs> you frozen now? <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's that bit in um, issue three where I mean Snowstorm turns out to be a, a, a drunk really, um, and it doesn't it doesn't get dark, but. Um, not giving too much away, but like it addresses issues of um, alcoholism because it's set in a bar, yeah, but it's not all, you know. I just thought, it, it, you know, with Snowstorm being alcoholic, like in issue three, they, they try and stage a, an intervention for him, but you get a little flashback mm. of him putting um, ice tits on the Statue of Liberty just because he's <laughs> he's drunk and, you know. But a lot of these guys, they're harmless sort of goofballs, really, aren't they? It's great, mate. It's really good character stuff. Really good. So, do you want to just give people an idea of um, where we're at with Mahoney's? Because we're going into a quite a big story arc, if I remember rightly. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're kickstarting issue four at the minutes of the the storyline called The Last Stand, and um, it's a four parter. Which I did on an arc quite heavily about doing a four parter because the last issue came out in March of last year, and it's it's. It's nearly 12 months to that now. So it's it's a long time in between issues to, to ask people to, to give a shit and keep coming back. But I think the story just sort of really lent itself to not being a done-in-one. So, you know, we, we, we it's all scripted. It's all it's all done, and Brian's working on it. But this, this new one's issue four because what happened last issue was... Um, the, the, the sort of subplot was dealing with Snowstorm being alcoholic, but effectively there's an alien invasion, and by the end of issue three, the aliens just come down and kick fuck out of every single superhero. So what's what's left? At, at the end of issue three, basically Batman and Superman just knock the door of the pub and just say, look, all the heroes are wiped out, we need your help. So it's, it's sort mm. of, this latest issue is it, it's kind of looking at you know, are bad guys really that bad just because he wants to rob a bank or, or, you know, these aren't blokes who are murdering people and trying to take over the world. They're just, they're just idiots. They're just sort of, you know, just people who, who would rob a bank or, or try and steal a diamond. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the dynamic between all the bad guys at Mahoney's when Superman and Batman rock up and actually ask for help. So it does look at the dynamic between good guys and bad guys because you never see them interact in comics. You just see the good guy beating up the bad guy at the end. Um, so it does look at the dynamic between the two sort of categories of character and what makes a good guy good, what makes a bad guy bad. And that sounds really fucking deep and meaningful, doesn't it? But it's basically all the, ba- all the heroes are wiped out, so the bad guys are the only ones left to sort of save the world, really. Yeah, no, it's 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 great, and it that kind of last page as well I, really sets it up for, I think you know the last stand. Yeah, it? yeah, you've got another twelve months to haven't you? Well, I know, yeah, I can't talk. We've we've still got to do issue two of Pre Mortis yet. 
So um, that's that's knocking on for over 12 months. But, uh, no, it's really good, mate, really good. So you've got the Kickstarter running at the moment then? Yeah, Kickstarter came out uh, four or five, uh, four days ago now. So, we, yeah, we just did that sort of um, nice point, really, where, where a lot of the return backers have come back, which is good. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a long slog, and any Kickstarter is just – it's the best and the worst month of your life. It's, you know, you're checking your phone every two minutes. I know. Oh God! Yeah, and you say you won't. I know, but you do. And I, I said to Brian the other night, I said, oh, "This this time around, I'm I'm going to be relaxed, and you know what will be will be. And if you don't look like you're going to make target, you you know, you tip in the rest yourself or whatever. But I can't stop. I'm just looking at it constantly, just really panicking, and I'm looking at other kickstarters, which is the worst thing you can do in it. And just look at, oh, he's got 300 backers. I've only got 40. And you think, oh, fucking shut up, man. Yeah, but it's a it's a mystery to me, Kickstarter. To be honest, it's kind of um, luckily I've done two successful campaigns on there. Yeah, but again, you kind of look at other campaigns and you think, what the fuck are they doing to get those numbers? Usually, it's tits and arse, isn't it? Yeah, I I I think it's just social media. I think you've got to just. You've got to be on it constantly. You've got to really be mm. building up your backers and all that sort of stuff. And I, it's not me. I don't do social media no. very well, and uh, it just upsets me. Not not upsets me, you know what I mean? But like the, the correlation between Twitter followers and the Kickstarter success. You just look and think, I don't know. I mean, I think one genuine reader who's a genuine backer and not a mate or a family member. Is worth is worth its weight in gold. Honestly, the the, the people yeah. who I who I don't know and who don't owe me anything who back, I just think you're 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 a genuine reader, and I love it. Mm. But I, I do. I look. I, I I don't know. I think I keep telling myself I've got to play the social media game. I've got to I've got to be more prolific on Facebook and Twitter and all the rest of it. And it's just I just think can't I just make comics? Why have I got to you know, know. push it? And oh, I don't know. You like me, mate. I'm the same. Um, I, I dread doing it. You know, I dread sending out that reminder just to say it's still there if you want to back it because it, it's just not me. I mean, I'm quite fortunate, I suppose, in the sense that probably three quarters of the people that back my stuff, and I don't get that many, are people from like mainly from the States and stuff like that. So it's people I don't know. You know, it's like you say, it's that genuine readership, isn't it? You know, I have a, there's a core of people that back stuff that know you. And I like to think it's because they're interested in what I'm doing, not just because they feel obliged to do it. But, you know, when you get those, those people that you've never, you've got no relationship with whatsoever. um, It's a really great feeling that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think there's a lot, and it's lovely, don't get me wrong, but. You know, you, you look back somebody in the past who you know and now back yours and it, you know, that's lovely, that's all good. Um but yeah, those those what would you class them as like a cold reader who's just found it on Kickstarter and just thinks, Yeah, you know, this is for me. I love that. But I'm just yeah. I don't know, I don't play the social media game and I know I know it's a game you've got to play. I just whenever I like to send a message on Facebook, oh the Kickstarter's live, I, I wanna go and have a fucking shower. But it's, it's stupid because all, all, all doing really is just saying to people, I've made this thing, do, do you want to just have a look or, you know, buy it or not? And 
I'm genuinely not that bothered if if people don't back it. I'm not gonna, you know, next time I see you, be like, you didn't fucking back Mahoney's. Oh no, yeah. I just, I don't know. It's a game to be played, isn't it? And uh, mm. I sort of know the rules, but oh, I can't be bothered to play. I haven't got it in me. I just want to write. I just want to make the comics. That's what fires me up. Not fucking Twitter every day. And oh. it begins to smack a bit of desperation, doesn't it? As well, it's kind I of. Know. You know, you, you see the same thread or feed like four or five times a day, and you're like, for fuck's sake, if I wanted to back it, I would have backed it by now. Yeah. You know, and then you get like, uh, I know Tony was saying he's had people tagging him in, reminding him he's not back their Kickstarter. And it's like, well, I'm not going to do it now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just desperate, isn't it? I mean, as long as I can hit the target and get the book done, I'm happy then. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but then it's it, not about making any coin. No, it does beg the question then, what, what are you doing it for? Because as you say, it's never going to be for money. You see, you see these Kickstarters who make sort of five figure sums. You're like, okay, good for you. You, you, mm. you know, you've made it, you've made yourself a bit of profit there, obviously. But you know, I don't think I've ever made mo- like any money off a of Kickstarter. No. You know, you end up with boxes of stock, and you think, well, that's all right because you know, you, you know, you can shift them to to readers who who are actually interested in the book. So, as you say, if it's not about money, what's it about? Because I, I, I'd rather my backer count was high rather than my um, money count was high. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Which is, I, I always give books away. Any con, honestly, come to my table at a con and um, spend more than 40 seconds at my table and chances are I'll fucking give you a comic. <laughs> and anytime someone gives me money, I just think, oh, God. Oh God, please don't. Do you know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But it's this it's the nature of the business we're in, mate. We've got to make some money to cover your costs, haven't you? Yeah. I'm the same. I mean, H, the amount of stuff we've given away, particularly to kids that come along. Oh yeah. That are interested, and you think, yeah, take it. You never know that that can inspire that kid to go off and create comics or write comics or be an artist and draw. What you know, and it's like what's it matter to us yeah you know. it, absolutely I, I do it all the time if i see any any kid coming along honestly i go full-on saddle i'm just yeah i have this I, little <laughs> prints I, comic you just think please man because just just get into comics just be a reader just yeah totally yeah i've, I've just made a note actually i'm gonna hire a kid the next time we're at the same con and send them around to your table <laughs> <laughs> Fill your boots over there. <laughs> That's if we ever have a con again, mate. Oh, I know, I know. It's only, I think the next time we do, Jesus Christ, it'd be like Mahoney's. I was, I was talking to um, Jay Martin a few months back, and we we sort of came up with an idea of um, just having a con. Uh, it, we, I think it was Jay's idea to call it a non-con, <laughs> um, where you don't actually invite any punters. You just sort yeah. of. We have a weekend in a travel lodge, just all the, the small press, and we all get hammered and read each other's books, but you're not pressured to sell to any punters. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think I think as soon as all this, all this is lifted, the next con, whatever it is, Jesus. Oh, it's going to be chaos. I mean, it'll either be chaos or it'll be deathly, because everyone will be like, well, give this one a miss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's amazing how much you miss it, though, isn't it? You miss the community feel of it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I really do. All of us stood there watching people walk past our tables. <laughs> Honestly, I, 
if you if you ever see me behind my table at a con, it's a miracle because I, I, I I'm more often than not just wandering around somewhere just talking to somebody. I don't I don't like being at my own table. Yeah, because I think last time we saw each other was at Troobs, wasn't it? It was. In fact, infamously, I think the only physical con of the year. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So um, how's the Kickstarter looking then? Is it on target? Uh, yeah, it's, I think we'll be all right. Um, we're just over halfway. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, your first few days are, are, are sort of um, a honeymoon period, aren't they? All, all the return backers. But then you get that fucking slump in the middle. That's the bit I hate. And you, that's the bit where you're properly checking your phone. But uh, yeah, we're doing all right. We're doing, we're doing well. We've got, we've got a lot of, we've got a core backer, but um you know the more the merrier isn't it i think it's tricky when you've got issue four if nobody's read issue one to three then they're like well i'm not going to back you now am i um so what we've done is made issue one free to read so if you go on to yeah. the, the you know if, if you're new to the book you, you know i'm not going to expect you to to back and get four four issues but you might do if you've read issue one for free and if you're not going to back then no dramas no losses there no it's looking good mate just having a look in your 52 percent already so i think you'll be fine well i feel bloody dirty because the the, the picture um <laughs> is cat who is like everybody always says she's my favorite character um if ever brian does a commission nine times out of ten it's cat so I put a picture on her, but she's got these massive tits just sticking <laughs> out. And you just think, there's so many Kickstarters that you can see just like really, um, you know, they always tend to do well, don't they, by Kickstarter backers who, who think, oh, there's a picture of a lady there. And you just think, do you not know that there's internet porn? You don't need to back Kickstarters just because there's a bit of TNA involved. Um, but anyway, Kat's, Kat's there just because she's a fan favourite, not because we're trying to get money out of sad virginal fucking teenage lads who are going to crack one out to a, a, a two-dimensional <laughs> figure and you've got some some quite tasty levels as well yeah for the for the first time ever we're going to do some blank sketches so we'll get a limited run um with the blank you know the blank cover which you call them virgin mm-hmm. covers you know just with the title on and, and nothing else and brian will do some his, his commissions are just unreal they're, they're phenomenal mm. um so yeah, yeah, you know, you try and sort of, they seem to go down well, don't they? The Marvel stuff, the blank variants and stuff, and uh, hopefully when con season's back, um, I'll have a few of them with Brian's original art on the front, and uh, yeah, yeah, we've got, I mean, it, it, it's thanks to Samuel London, really, because I, I table next to him at um, Leamington Con oh, yeah. a year or so ago. Um, but he had he had beer mats and he, he he was selling great guns. He's good at like bringing mm. people over to the table and talking to them. Um, but he had he had beer mats that he was giving away and stuff. And I thought, you know, we're we're, we're the only comic that I can think of set in a pub. So, you know, why not offer beer mats as a reward? So we've got these nice Mahoney's beer mats made up with Brian's art on them, and they're yeah, they're part of the rewards. Yeah, yeah, I remember when there was beer mats. He was doing that flipping thing, wasn't he? We was, yeah. And caught it, yeah. I was mesmerised. I was like, fuck, how are you making so We were kind of just, we were just on the corner, what, like, behind him, really, and we, we had a good view of him, and she's going, look at look at him hustling it from the minute the doors opened. It was like... But it wasn't dirty. You know, you get these fucking... No? Stand, they stand in the, um, they stand in the middle, don't they, and they drag it over yeah. like it's a Tenerife nightclub. But, yeah, <laughs> he was just, he's just a fucking likeable, affable guy, and 
people were just going over to his table and flipping beer mats. Yeah, and he does some good stuff as well. He, he does, yeah. You know, he's, he's a he's a very nice guy. He very is. Nice he knows guy. what he's about, doesn't he? Oh, I, yeah, but I, I keep thinking of getting him on the show to talk about the art of the hustle. Yeah, uh, do you know I, what? I was yeah. having a joke, and uh, I said, like, you know, it was amazing. He said, oh, I was trying to think of something different every time I go, you know, and it's like, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I was talking to him about it, and, and I said, the problem is, my problem is, I don't fucking like people. <laughs> so, when they, they you know, he's got all these randomers coming over to his table flipping his beer mats and I was looking thinking he's making a ton of sales but my god he's going to have to talk to people and I thought I'm better off here nobody <laughs> nobody at my table I've got an empty pocket but I haven't got to talk to people <laughs> so I'm just looking at your Kickstarter tears again because uh, there's some great stuff in here for people listening who haven't backed it yet are interested and I mean like an A3 commission off Brian and, and stuff like that well you know I, as i say i always feel bad asking people for money anyway so I, I do like to give a bit of um value for money in fact last time last time we did the kickstarter for issue three um it was right in the middle it was march of last year right in the middle of um when it all kicked off mm. and i felt that because people had backed us when you know, the world was, it was a fucking scary place back then. You know, nobody knew what was going on because people have backed me that time. I thought, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to give people something extra. So I, I think everybody who backed that Kickstarter got way more than their pledge level. I was chucking in posters and prints and stickers yeah. and all fucking sorts of stuff. And I just, I remember that when mine came through. Cause I'm thinking, I'm sure I didn't pay for all this. <laughs> no, no. I, I didn't sell you though. <laughs> no. Yeah, nobody came forward and said, oh, I think you've oversent. But, you know, I, I, I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful people like the book. I'm grateful that people spend a penny. Well, not spend a penny, do you know what I mean? But um, spend any money backing us. I'm just, I, I think I, I feel privileged, to be honest, and not to get too fucking teary-eyed and too wanky about it. But there's so much stuff out there. There's so many Kickstarters. There's so mm. many mainstream books you could you could spend your money on. I just feel privileged that somebody just buys into what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. what, what's, if, I, if I send somebody a couple of extra prints and a sticker, it's not going to break the bank, is it? But it might make them think, oh, do you know what? That's that's good. That's a really nice thing. I'm glad I backed that Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's refreshing that because I know um, we're the same. H and I were, you know, I mean, everybody like starts having a wank if they've, sold like you know so many hundred copies or whatever or you know they've they've managed to get themselves in in a top 10 of this or a top 10 of that and it's it's like i don't give a shit for any of that you know if if one person buys me book and then sort of has the the need to write to me and go i really enjoyed that fucking hell you know it's like i'm like a kid i'm so excited even if people just buy the book i'm so excited because i'm like that means somebody wants to buy what you've created i don't need to shift millions of it one and i'm happy <laughs> i remember I was, I was at the nec years ago um at con and i had a mate of mine who was manning the table with me just because again I, I don't like talking to people so i go talk to him <laughs> but I'd, I'd gone to the loo and i got back and he said oh um i just made a sale and the guy wants to come back he wants your autograph and i thought you were having a fucking like, he wants my autograph doesn't doesn't he know i'm an arse and he's yeah, 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 that's your autograph. So, so the guy came back. Honestly, God, I nearly asked him out for dinner. I just, I just, I, I, I wanted to give him his money back. I wanted to just sort of, oh, 
I'll, I'll never forget that feeling of, of just like, that's a really nice thing because it makes you feel like you're a legitimate creator. I think I've got I've got a certain amount of imposter syndrome. I don't know if you ever have that. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's got less and less. I think as the quality of my books has got better, I, I don't feel it so much now. I definitely felt it with the guys. You know, Mahoney's, I, I, without sounding arrogant, I, I, I put up against the vast majority of um, small press mm. stuff and just think, well, it holds its own in terms of quality and writing and art and all that. Um, but a mate of mine, he's into like um, mindfulness and neuro-linguistics and stuff. And he, he says to me that I'm, I self-sabotage quite a lot. And I thought, do I? But I, he's right, you know, I do. I do. I, I'll, I'll talk myself out of a sale. I'll, um, as I say, with the social media stuff, I think, oh, fuck it, I'm not bothered. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if I can, if I can self-sabotage, I will. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're exactly the same, mate. And we're trying to get better at it. You know, not self-sabotage, but not self-sabotaging, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But we're the same. I mean, there's been been things where I've, I've convinced people to go and spend the money on another table. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I was doing that at um, Troops because I, I had um, Steve Sim, Battle Badgers, in my eyesight. Right. And the guy was talking to me about, um, oh, I love, I love comics and I love, you know, this idea of big fights and stuff like that. Yeah. You want to go and buy his stuff instead, <laughs> you know? Because to be fair, the guy bought mine and then went straight over to to Steve's table. But you know, it's it's what we do, though, isn't it? You know, you always think that you're lesser than the people around you. And we shouldn't really, because I think everybody's different. And you know, there's there's a lot of really good stuff on the small press scene. Yeah, and there's some stuff that really does stand out as well. Yeah. And I, I think, personally, Mahoney's is one of those, you know, that it's got a good reputation because it's a really good book and it does stand up. And, you know, I think it would stand with kind of mainstream books, to be honest with you, you know. But I think it's really good stuff, mate. So, yeah, we've all got to stop a bit of this um, self-sabotage stuff. Yeah. Because the ones that don't have it go fucking great guns. Yeah, they do. They and they do. Usually... There's something to it, man. It's a, it's yeah. a mentality, isn't it? You see some really average people who pile it because they've just got this self-confidence. Yeah. And you think, fair play to them, you know. Well, it's, it's, it's the same if you're in a bar, isn't it? And you're trying to pick, mm. a, you're trying to pick a, a woman up or something. And, you know, all it takes is a bit of confidence, isn't it? And you're mm. away. So ugly fuckers are getting laid because they've got a bit of confidence. <laughs> and then handsome bastards like me and you, they, we, we're just waiting for the lights to go up at the end of the night. That's always been my excuse, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So if people are interested in finding um, Mahoney's and, and, and backing it, and I do urge you to because it is brilliant, um, it's Kickstarter and they just search on Mahoney's. Yeah, the last type stand. in Mahoney's, it'll come up. Just look for the yep. massive pair of tits. But yeah, he's gone for it. He's gone full on, um, you know, comic porn. So I, I know my target see. audience. But we'll put the links in the show notes as well. So if you are listening to this and you want to check it out, then um, you know please do so. You won't you won't be disappointed by any means. So what other projects have you got on the boil for Hardline then? Um, yeah, well Mahoney's Mahoney's will finish. Um, well, the, the, the Kickstarter will come out, and then issue five and six are, are already written. Um, so they're with Brian at the minute. I've got to do a few tweaks. But the the big thing 
I think me and Brian are going to relaunch the guys with a volume wow. two. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I said earlier, didn't I? Brian draws exactly how I wish I would. I would. I could draw. You know. Yeah. So we we discussed him maybe um, redoing issue one to six. Same script, but him drawing them. Um, and then we thought, well, no, because you've got to go through the whole origin and, you know, um, you know, Uncle Ben's dead and you think, oh, I've fucking seen this. Can we just get to some action? <laughs> so we thought, well, issue one to six are done. And, and I'd encourage anyone to read them. Honestly, I stand by the guy's writing, just not the artwork. But then we thought, no, do you know what? We'll, we'll just reboot it and... They've got their powers and they've got their costumes and there's a world built around it. So let's just go in straight with a, a brand new issue one of um, volume two. So yeah. that's written and I'm absolutely delighted to have Brian on art. And, um, you know, that that hopefully that magic we bring to Mahoney's will uh, will be bringing to the guys as well. And that's a bit it's a bit. It's got swears in it where Mahoney's hasn't, and it's a bit more of an R-rated thing. But um, I don't. I love the characters. I love the world of the guys, um, and I'm absolutely over the moon to be back there with with Brian on board. I can't wait to get it out there, to be honest. Um, right. So we, we're gonna we're gonna continue with Mahoney's because um, we you know we're on part two of a four part series, so that's gonna carry on going, mm. and then. Um, I've also got a book called Limits I'm working on with Lee Gaston, who's just a fucking awesome artist as well. Mm. And he's um, he's a, a detective in Las Vegas, which is like madness, really. Just just how sort of interesting his day job is. Yeah. It's just... But I, again, I found him online and I just fell in love with his stuff. And um, I just got in touch with him and he, he's up... Oh, God, his pages are so good. You sent me a sneak preview, didn't you? And there's some beautiful stuff there, mate. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's going to be a one-off, um, like a sort of prestige format one-off. But the basic principle of that is um, it's called Limits. And the guy gets these two power gauntlets that give him flight and super strength and all the, all the rest of it. And, you know, he's loving it. And then... Yeah. Partway through the issue, he looks down and he he, he sees that uh, a little message comes off one of the gauntlets saying, you're now on 75% power. And and for the first time, he realizes that fucking that the power in these gauntlets is, is finite. So it's basically like, it's like the Green Lantern, really, if, if he didn't have a lantern and he had no way of charging up that power ring. So he's got these gauntlets that, that give him amazing powers but like he's got no way of charging them up so it's it, it becomes quite dark really it becomes um he gets addicted to the power and he gets to a point where he doesn't want to like if there's a bank robbery he thinks well i won't i won't get involved with that because it's going to eat up some of the power i'll, I'll just save it for some of the big world threatening stuff so he, he changes he goes from a hero to being a bit of a fucking scumbag and um it's all about like addiction and, and yeah. how obsessed he is with the power and how he covets the power now that he knows that it's it's not going to last forever. Because as, as I say, if you had a power ring 
happy days, isn't it? But if you knew that it was gonna, it was, it wasn't gonna last. You'd be like, well, he gets addicted to flying. That's his thing. He loves the flight thing. Um, yeah. So he, he, he I, I really, I'm really proud of the script. And as I say, Lee Gaston, oh Christ, his pages are so good. Um, but it is, it, in a way, it is a what if tale. But um, right. you know, I've, I've just brought up Green Lantern there as a as sort of an example. But if you, if you had power, because there's this amazing quote, Abraham Lincoln. Um, let me try and think of it now. He says, oh, I can't think of it, but he says, if you if you want to really challenge a man, um, give him power. I oh, fucked that up. I can't I can't think of the quote, but it was so perfect. Mm. But yeah, it's about this guy just getting addicted to the power and it, it goes quite dark. It starts off, it basically starts off Golden Age, then through Silver Age, and then it gets to like 1986 Watchmen Dark Knight sort of thing, you know. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, it's dark. Sounds it, brilliant. It doesn't get too dark, but it's I, I'm really proud of it. it it's very yeah. different to what I normally do. There's no, there's no jokes in it or anything, but um, I think as a one-and-done concept, it's it's good man because you, you really go through the journey with this bloke from he's on top of the world literally in some instances um and then he, he gets this message saying you're 75 percent done with your power he's like fuck yeah because he'd never thought about it before you know but yeah. anyway that that'll be coming out soon ish lee gaston's doing that his artwork is just phenomenal mm. are you going to kickstart that as well yeah, probably. I, I only ever go to Kickstart when the book's in because yeah. I cannot, for some reason, I cannot stomach people going to Kickstarter and then saying, give us your money now and we'll send your book out in six months or 12 months or mm. something. You think, what the fuck? What? Just, I, I, if it was me, I'd want to back a book and have it sent out within a couple of weeks of it, the Kickstarter yeah. ending. So, uh, yeah, I'll only ever go to Kickstarter when the pages are in. Um, and Lee's working on page ten at the minutes, and every time they come in, I'm just, I'm just gobsmacked, man. It's just, it's beautiful yeah. stuff. And he colours it himself, and it's like you look at it and you think, how? And and you're a fucking cop as well. It's just like, <laughs> that's mad, isn't it? It's just crazy. And then I had, I said, I've never had it before or since. A couple of weeks ago, I had the fucking weirdest, um, like. The, the, the muse kissed me or something. Do you know what I mean? I I, I hadn't thought of this idea. Of, I was saying earlier about um a, a, a prison for supervillains, like yeah. a prison break story, with a with a few twists and turns throughout it. Like, and it came to me absolutely out of nowhere. And within five days, I've written the whole thing. I've thumbnailed it. I've written yeah. the full script within five days, and it was just like I, I read it back now, and I just think I don't know who wrote that. It was just crazy. I don't know if, if you've ever had anything like that, but God, mm. absolutely came out of nowhere, hit me hard, and it was just like, I've got to write this down. But that's that's called The Last Game. That's a lot darker than what I normally do. It's very um, very violent. I'm thinking black and white for that, with maybe, mm. you know, like splashes of red, like Sin City sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all set. That's a prison break in a, in a prison for, again, super villains, you know. Which I guess is my my thing, but yeah, yeah, I really. And have you got artists attached to that yet? I haven't yet, but after that page you sent me earlier, mate. Drums, <laughs> so doing black and white, mate. Honestly, I I think your black and white stuff's better than your colour. To be honest, that page you sent me. Can I Thank be you. honest? I got a little bit of a semi. <laughs>
Very good. Uh, I've enjoyed doing it. It's uh, yeah, that's page one. So uh, and it's been a real challenge as well because as I say, that's for uh, someone else's script. So th- there's things in there that I would have avoided <laughs> if I was writing it. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh fucking hell, a car chase. Yeah, <laughs> but a busy sort know, of cafe. It's uh, it's challenging, isn't it? And that's that's what you've got to do. You know, you've got to push yourself out of your comfort zone and. Yeah, I'm quite pleased with the way it's coming along. But wow, no, it sounds, that sounds brilliant, mate. It sounds like a really good uh, good project, that. So is that your kind of slate for the next year or so, as they would say in business terms? Yeah, for comics, I've got a couple of novels. I'm halfway through the sequel. I wrote a, a book called uh, Of Hearts and Hitmen uh, yeah. a few years ago, which I'm really proud of, to be honest. I wrote it when I was a younger man, but I think it holds up. Um, and I'm halfway through the sequel to that. Oh, I've, got another, I've got another book that I've got worked out and plotted out. I just need to sort of get down and write it. But um, yeah, always, always working, always graft. I'm always writing. I just, mm. I'm just never online hustling this shit. It should be something that uh, somebody offers. It's a gap in the market there, isn't there? I, do you know yeah. what? I think there is. Social media for people like us that can't be asked doing it. Yeah, just a sort of carnival barker sort of. You know, he's online every day, just hustling, hustling. I, honestly, I'd, I'd pay him whatever he wanted. Bullshit. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's just really good, mate. Really good. So finally then, um, what advice would you give to someone if they were thinking of self-publishing their own comics and stuff like that? Um, I think you, you, you're going to learn a lot by whatever you do. You're just going to learn and you're going to get better and better and better. But I think... Um, from my perspective and what I did with those first six issues of the guys, don't, don't try and do everything yourself. Um, unless you can, unless you can write as well as you can draw or, you know, I, I, I wrote and drew and lettered and colored everything of the guys. And I don't think, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, so my advice would be find people and pay people um pay people to letter your stuff it's not going to break the bank Mm. um you but you're just going to get a better polished product so you know have some money behind you i think not not like thousands of pounds but just don't launch into it without doing a bit of research go to a con talk to anyone um because absolutely everyone you talk to will will give you a good piece of advice um but like the, the, there is no excuses at all. You know the the print costs. If you want to do a limited run, um, it's not going to break the bank. If you're going to pay somebody to letter your book or colour your book or do flats or whatever, it's not going to break the bank. But you've just got to invest in yourself, haven't you? You've just got to. Mm. I think the key thing is to be able to look back on that product when it comes back, as you were saying, that box comes back from the printers. You just don't want to open it and think, oh, fucking hell, I could have done that better. Or I wish I'd got somebody to letter it. Or Do, do you know what I mean? You, you've yeah. just got to be able to stand back and think, I am 100% proud of that thing. And I don't give a fuck if I go to Kickstart and get three backers. I am proud of that. And then you, you go again and you'll get better and you'll get more backers and you, you, you'll have more polish to your product. But th- there really is no excuses, is there? The, you know, get in touch with people, I think. Yeah. Email yeah. people, people, not me, but email people um, and ask them for advice. 
see who's running a Kickstarter and just say, oh, I really like the book. I don't know, whatever you need advice in, just sort of, um, just talk to people, make connections, go to a con, just talk to people, get to know people. Mm. You know, that's how we've all done it, really, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the infamous double-check your postage costs. <laughs> oh, fuck it. I, I, I know for a fact I have absolutely stitched myself. I might yeah. as well stick my thumb right up my arse right now because I know for a fact... <laughs> I've all this Brexit shit and oh Jesus, oh, it's fucked us on it. Yeah, I I have diddled myself. I think I'm I, I think I'll be out of pocket. I'm telling you, I, that's the the shame about a lot of Kickstarters now because you know I like to back them and I I, I often find myself buying digitals because I can't afford the postage. Yeah, you know there was there was something the other week that was like twenty five dollars for the book and I thought it's worth it. But then it was another like thirty dollars for postage. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and then I know I'm going to get stiffed when it gets here for a handling charge and everything else, which would be oh, another thirty I know. quid. I know. And it's like you've not handled it. Yeah, yeah. But as you say, versus what three quid, four quid for a digital copy, you can still read it. But yeah, well, I don't know. It's it's tricky. Yeah. It's it's getting even trickier. But it's yeah. a whole other beast. But well, the, the other thing as well, you start off um, and you weigh up your postage costs. And then by the time you've run your Kickstarter and then getting ready to send it out, they've fucking gone up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah. I've been caught with that with, with Royal Mail. It's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what I've done with this Kickstarter for issue four. I've put it, what I think is quite high, it's probably still bloody under, but I've, I've said, if it's any more than what I've charged you for postage, I'll absorb the costs and whatever. Yeah. If it's anything under, I'm going to give it you back. So, like, I've had a couple of Australian backers, and I think I've put £20 on to mm. Australia, and I'm hoping, I'm fucking hoping against God, it's not going to be that much. But, you know, if, if it comes to 15 quid, I'm just going to give you £5 back. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to stitch anybody up, but at the same time, I don't want to be out of pocket either. So um, I think that's about as fair as I can be, really, just sort of saying, I appreciate yeah. I've gone high on the postage, but I promise you, I'm going to give you back the difference, you know, but I don't know. You're a decent guy. You're a decent guy because some of the postage costs I've seen, fucking hell, mate. Oh. I think they're flying it over on its own jet. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I would expect to fucking knock on the door from a drone. It's unbelievable. I was trying to buy three floppies. Yeah. And it was like, some, I don't know, some like $12 for the three comics or something. That's all right. $45 for postage. Oh, Christ. <laughs> It's three thin comics. Yeah, yeah. I, I nearly wrote them, you know. But well, I... I'm I'm quite lucky because Brian's in America. He lives in Delaware. Um, so we split the prints. So we do a UK and a US print run. Right. Sent to my house, sent to his house. He covers oh, um, America and Canada. I cover sort of UK and Europe and and wherever else. And you know, we just take it out of the pot and yeah. Whatever's left, fucking might get a scratch card out of it. Do you know what I mean? But, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, it's lucky for me because I can I can keep the US print um, postage cost down. But that's only because Brian lives out there, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like you. I'm just up front with them when I do it and say, look, you know, it's going to cost a fair bit. I've got a good idea, and if it's a bit more, you just absorb it, don't you? Yeah. 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 Um I try and do it I always try and do it just a little bit under what I think the cost will be just because I don't want to feel like I'm ripping people off, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I my ethos is I I don't care about making money. 
I just don't want to be out of pocket. Yeah. And other other than that, I just want people to have value for money. I say you're a gentleman. Well, uh... uh, listen, you know, I'm not. I, I earn decent money. I, you know, I'm not on the fucking breadline or anything. I'm not. I'm not trying to stitch people out. It's just, it, it, it's. It's not a hobby, but it's it's a real passion, and I love people mm. reading my stuff. So if they're giving me their money, I don't want it to go in my back pocket. I want it to go into rewards for them. I want them to sort of think because you know you get people back in forty, fifty quid, hundred quid. You know, I've got mm. a couple of backers now, a hundred fucking quid. You know, it's such a lot of money, and for, for that, I am gonna. Um, I'm going to sort you out. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to send you as much as I physically can because that's such a yeah. lot of money, though. Yeah, and it's it's again, it's quite humbling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Spend that. Yeah, and there's no part of me that gets these fucking dollar signs in my eyes and thinks, "Whoa, we're brilliant." You just think, yeah. you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you've got your money's worth there because you know I think if you're in this game for money, you're a fucking arsehole anyway. <laughs> Or you're deluded. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's been brilliant, mate. It's been really, really enjoyable. Really, really good to chat to you again. Yeah, you too, man. As I said, we'll put the links to the current Kickstarter Mahoney's in the show notes. Um, but in the interim, do you want to tell people listening where they can get in touch with you? Because I know you like meeting people and making new friends. No. <laughs> well, where can they find about Hardline Comics then? Um, th- there is a website. It's hardlinecomics.com, but, you know... We're on Facebook, as you've got to be, haven't you? If you just Google, not Google, but if you go on Facebook and have a look for um, Hardline Comics, Mahoney's, there's a a couple of, you'll find us, bloody hell. Twitter, I'm on there somewhere, Rich Carty 100. Instagram, I'm on, but I don't know what my thing, I don't know what my name is. I don't know. It's all right, mate. I'll find them and I'll post them. If you have a look in the show notes, you'll be able to find your own uh address yeah <laughs> listen my name's richard carrington i do a comic called mahoney's if you can't find me on the back of that then do you know what i mean it's 2021 <laughs> grow up and uh if you're interested you can see more about my work at uh, art92.com is the website facebook again twitter instagram it's all art92 uh, we do have individual accounts that spur off that but we try and keep it to Art92 because, like I say, every week, you know, you get to our age and in the current situation, you're looking for members to put your pants on in the morning, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you've got more than one username. I'm bollocks. No and I hope you've enjoyed this show. It's always great talking to Rich. He's, he's always, he always makes me laugh. And if you have enjoyed it, then you can check out previous episodes. They're available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Apple Music, where it's called this week. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you feel inclined, give us a review, because apparently it proves that people actually do listen to the show, which amazes me. And just thanks again to Rich for giving up his evening. And until next time, I'll leave you with the thoughts of author Laurie Lesko, who said, the good news about self-publishing is you get to do everything yourself. The bad news about self-publishing is you get to do everything yourself. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.